I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things in history, sports, and pop culture. And we trace its history back to figure out where it went completely off the rails. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing, man? I am doing great. Uh, it's, you know, I, I had to prep for this episode, which was like the first one where I knew absolutely nothing about any of this <laughs> so i am ready to go yeah yeah we totally screwed you on this one because normally if it's like the salem witch trial <laughs> or like the maritime chronometer you're like yeah man i yeah. got it don't even worry <laughs> about it you didn't have to crack a book for it but the second i'm just like yeah here's a weird uh pop culture horror thing that's going on that's when i become the yeah big old nerd. this thing that everybody <laughs> but you knows about <laughs> it's like no i i got yeah. no idea man i guess i'll I guess I'll see if I can find a, a a library book on this massive pop culture influence. All right, but before we get into that, we're going to introduce our fantastic guest who I'm so happy to have here. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Real Chris Cal. Please help me welcome Chris Calagero. Guys, I'm laughing at this because this is our fifth <laughs> take on this. So much. <laughs> guys, guys, oh if, you're my God. if you're wondering why Andrew was laughing the entire time, it's because I had the biggest mental block. That was insane. I had the worst mental block for like five takes. I just could not say Chris's name correctly. I'm not even going to try it now because I know I'm going to fuck it up completely. And here's the thing. Not even that hard of a last name. <laughs> it trips people up a lot. Like you're you're not alone. And here. also we've got Chris here on the Zoom cat with Chase Vernon Jr., his fantastic character. So I, I feel like when I can see him getting more intense each time as we come to it, it's like it doesn't say it there. I'm gonna say Vernon. <laughs> I tried to I tried to like give myself a buffer when I was like leading up to it because I was like, I forgot how to pronounce it. And I was like, wait, if I just like stare at it while I'm saying <laughs> it, so I like hovered over your name and it was a character name it was a character name so sorry <laughs> i could tell that you were doing that little like like stutter step yeah. you know when you're like you're trying to time a jump right you're like pop, pop, pop. you gave yourself an extra little step it was pressure i was just like it was like if i went up for like an easy layup it just yeah. completely and, and before even getting off the ground i just tripped on my shoelaces <laughs> and broke my nose on the court <laughs> and then you got the rebound and you were open again <laughs> It was like that for five takes, guys. It was I was never going to get it right. I handed it off to Andrew. So here's how we're starting the podcast with me being in abject so shape. So here's where it went wrong is just saying a very basic surname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's I mean it's very thematic for your podcast. So Chris, thank you for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is uh, great, and I'm excited to do like uh, like a thematic episode, like a, a seasonal episode. Yeah, we're really guys. excited to be doing some Halloween stuff. Yeah, baby, it's my favorite. Yeah, no, I love I love Halloween. I love sitting down watching scary movies. Like me and my wife have been doing that for the entire. Like we started actually back in September. If we're being honest, so we're like, no, we're like we're not seeing people. No one's judging us. <laughs> so like we've just been like going like, what series do you want to start? And we'll just like. Pow, 
plow through a bunch of garbage horror movies <laughs> and it's so much fun my favorite me and my wife have been trying to like we're trying to do like at least 30 for the month i've been like writing them down and keeping track of them i actually years ago my mom gave me this like this like moleskin film review notebook and i was like what is this when am i ever going to use this and now i'm like literally writing reviews <laughs> in this notebook by myself and now you're over here just like she shouldn't have ran into <laughs> the abandoned shed well this had some pretty good moments but overall <laughs> It's good to have you here. We're doing a seasonal episode, and we're going to dive into a character that is so near and dear to my heart. One Frederick Krueger. <laughs> ah, Freddy Krueger, the son of a thousand maniacs. That's how I know that you know your stuff, because that <laughs> yeah. is from Nightmare on Elm Street 4, <laughs> The Dream Master, I believe. That's from actually 3, The, That's three, dream, the, the dream, dream Warriors. Warriors. But they show that moment in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. I see, like, I was catching up to prepare for this episode. I've seen one a million times. I think it's, like, one of the best horror movies ever. I watched 2, 3, and 4 again, and I forgot that number 5 is The Dream Child. And the cover is so ridiculous with that evil baby stroller. It's, like, absurd. Oh, I cannot. We're definitely going to get into Nightmare on Elm Street 5, (laughs) The Dream Child. Don't worry about it. But let's kind of just start by being, like, what... Freddy Krueger, give us just like, what is your relationship just to the character in general? Why do we love Freddy Krueger? I think, I mean, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm 38. I think he was like the premier monster for my like childhood. I felt like those guys in the 80s were like the new universal monsters, you know, like Jason, Michael Myers and, and Freddy. But Freddy was like a number one because Freddy had the hook of in your dreams. It was the best. Like you couldn't escape him. Like that was the best way to make a monster in a horror movie. To me, I just love it because like every every scene just becomes like a fucking M.C. Escher painting. Like there's no rules here. Yes, exactly. Jason... Jason will follow you and he's going to be going at the exact same speed. He can kind of teleport. We've, we've accepted that kind of about Jason and Michael, but like Freddie can teleport and it, it makes complete sense. He can teleport. He can do whatever he wants. And like, it was fun. Let me tell you a bit about my history with Freddy Krueger. I've seen all of these movies at least three or four times. I have watched the television show, Freddy's Nightmares, which is basically where Freddy Krueger plays the Crypt Keeper and just introduces like little mini scary stories. I've read the extended Nightmare on Elm Street universe books. <laughs> You're up on the canon. Yeah, I'm up on the canon. I can tell you things about Freddy Krueger that everyone will be like, that's not true. I'll be like, no, it was in a very bad book I read when I was 16 years old. Wait, who are the people calling you on it? I want to meet those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the nerds who are like, they think they know Freddy Krueger, but I'm just like, no. You haven't read in the tie-in novels to really <laughs> appreciate the character. I went as Freddy for three different Halloweens, and I, like, price-checked what replica Freddy Krueger knife gloves would cost me. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you have a sweater? Do you have the sweater? I, I do. I have, like, three different ones in my parents, like, in their storage somewhere. Nice. Of, like, just all, like, the ripped sweaters, the fedoras, the whole night. I was the biggest fucking Freddy Krueger nerd out there. Cause he's just such a, a fun character. The other, like Michael, Jason, I love those movies, but they're silent. Yeah, they don't have personality aside from the drive to kill. I think I've probably seen the Friday 13th series the most of all of these series. I I don't know. I just have watched those movies a million times. And Jason has no personality. And Jason does not have one great movie. No, no, there is not a single. There are great moments scattered throughout. 
I mean, Jason has one where it's just, like, they don't even have really Jason in it. It's just his spirit, like, jumping into people's bodies. Oh, Jason Goes to Hell. Jason yeah. Goes to Hell. A classic. But, like, a character like Freddy, he has fun with it, which made it more terrifying in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, he's in people's dreams, and he's just, like, throwing weird shit at them. Like, there's a goat running across the screen at one point. He's, like, cutting off his fingers just to, like, freak you out. Like, it was, like, he had some personality, and it was fun. He would taunt you, which was terrifying, and he would taunt you in this way, knowing that you basically had no escape from him, which is, like, great. It's so good in those movies. So, understanding my complete lack of background here, my girlfriend had to bribe me to watch two episodes of Black Mirror. I do not want anything psychologically thrilling. Basically, the way this is going to work, it's either not going to scare me, so it's not effective, or it's going to scare me and I'm going to have nightmares for two months. What is the benefit here? I avoid horror movies. But listeners, by the way, I did my research for this and it was horrible. So you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You have no in-between. You're either terrified or you're like, what is this garbage? Exactly. But what I did like were the classic gentleman movie monsters, you know, where it's like, I get this is not scary anymore. But when you had the original Boris Karloff mummy, where he's this weird gentlemanly guy that's for some reason terrifying in this, you have studied uh, ancient arts. And it was Freddy Krueger took this weird thematic thing that they had in original horror movies of having this deep personality, but then they combined it with the horror movies of the time period, where it's like, no, but we're just going to make him evil. You're not going to sympathize or empathize. He's just bad. (laughs) Right, right. I always appreciate that they never try to give you any sympathy for him. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the problem. And, you know, we're not going to get into this movie during this podcast. It's not where it went wrong. But the problem with the remake was they tried to make you feel bad for him for, like, the majority of the movie where they were just like, the parents actually burned the wrong guy. (laughs) And it's just like... I'm going to be honest, if he's coming back and murdering people in the dreams that he already had the knife glove, he was probably bad. <laughs> yeah, he was ramping up to something. Yeah, they and they upped the ante because in the original, like, he's a child murderer, which is bad. You start off with child murderer and it's bad. You're not going to redeem and you're not going to make him seem like the protagonist. But, like, in the remake, they, like, were just like, not only was he not actually trying to psych you out with saying that he was not guilty, but he is actually guilty. And not only that, he was a pedophile. It's like, well, why did why throw that in there? That's like, <laughs> what an insane thing to throw in there. I do feel like in the original, it's kind of hinted at that he also was a child molester, right? Oh, I it mean, it's, it, it's kind of hint. Yeah, it's definitely hinted at. And then the sequels, he like is very like sexual with victims, which also terrifying he's not a good dude and this made it so hard for me too because as when when you and i talked about this when had me watch the four-hour documentary on this never sleep again andrew it was either that or (laughs) hour and a half long movies i don't know what you want from me i know i look i i prepped well for this but no and they're discussing it when it pointed out was he had the benefit of this being spread out over time periods where you see this growth and for me it was like okay he's a pedophile then they just kind of keep going with it's like are we gonna forget about the pedophile thing that feels like a big deal aren't we still upset about this they definitely paint over the 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 sexual ramifications of freddy krueger yeah but isn't it funny when he calls people bitch yeah (laughs) look he's not the boat you know he's not the most pc bad guy (laughs) you can't say nothing if you're a murderer no more yeah come on come on don't be so sensitive he's a pedophile murderer come on (laughs) 
Get over it. He's in his own movie. <laughs> Another thing that I appreciate about Freddy Krueger, though, other than, once again, the remake, which I don't want to talk about, but it exists and we have to acknowledge it. But throw it out completely, because other than that, like, Jason and Michael are played by whoever was tall and close by at the time when they shot the movie. Especially Michael Myers. Exactly. Freddy Krueger is Robert Englund throughout. Yeah. It's one guy and he's in all of them and he's having the time of his life. Well, that also speaks to the personality thing. Robert Englund like made it his own and like they obviously cast him for a reason because he was charismatic playing this character. Whereas you're right, like Kane Hodder played Jason for like a run of movies, but it was like kind of who cares? Yeah, exactly. But you didn't know. Like only nerds like us would be like, yeah, that was Kane Hodder who played him in these <laughs> several movies. Everyone else is just like, that was just a tall guy. The cool thing about Freddy is his silly wet has personality uh, Anglin's awareness of that and also Wes Craven even as someone who, who doesn't like horror movies the respect I have for Wes Craven his ability to build a world and, and see what is actually scary it's it's not just jump scares he's really trying to delve into a psyche here and I felt like Anglin did a great job with that of recognizing the physicality here is going to tell a lot of the story yeah yeah I like that he's not overpoweringly huge he's a small guy especially in the first one he's really skinny and just like gangly but you're right Wes Craven like what I think separated Nightmare was that it is an immediate world that is built around this character and around his abilities whereas Jason kind of ramps up to some mythology and Michael Myers lack of mythology is what makes him great in the first one he's just like the personification of evil but like Freddy has this whole has a backstory has powers has like this ability to terrify that nobody else has like it's all immediately in that first movie like in the first half hour of the movie almost oh for sure like they definitely just kind of like spill it all out he was a monster he killed your sister like they think give you everything you need to know he's like the town's dirty little secret and a cool thing about it is like Wes Craven like the reason I feel like Freddy has this personality it's such like Wes Craven's baby based on the experience he had when he was a kid when he looked out his window and there was just a guy with a skin condition who was standing outside looking into his window and just smiling at him and he said it was the most scared he'd ever been in his entire life and it stuck with him so much that like that is Freddy Krueger. It's this character that is just going to smile and make you uneasy because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he looks like. And he's just going to scare this little kid for no reason other than the fact that he can do it. And, like, it's great. He has the personality. It's like you said about the, the Universal Monsters. He's that. He's definitely that. It's also why Wes Craven kept up his regular dermatology appointments. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little-known fact. It's why Wes Craven famously had great skin famously had great skin but his attention to detail was so insane too where i mean you know he, he told the story about how this came from an article in the la times where there were men dying in their nightmares and obviously there was no solution to that he started looking into okay so we don't know how this is happening how could this be happening but one of my favorite things though was that he found an article about how red and green were hard colors for the eye to process side by side so he's like okay well that's got to be the sweater then because everything about this person should make you uneasy none of this should be easy for your brain to take in and i loved his attention to just obsessive attention to detail the way when was when he read this book and wrote i assume like half of the internet's fanfic on this <laughs> look have i written freddy krueger fanfic Yes, actually. <laughs> that is not a joke. I did. I did, in fact, do that when I was like 13. Oh my God, I love it. That's great. That's great. I, I love that. I didn't see Freddie until a little bit later in my life, honestly. I mean, I 
was probably 19 or something where I had like ingested horror in high school, you know, from when I was like 15 to like 17. I saw like all the Halloweens and all the Friday the 13th, but I somehow didn't see Nightmare until a little bit later. The first one is, I just think it's always an impressive movie to watch. It's, it's great. It's so incredibly well done. I, I discovered Nightmare on Elm Street on Bravo. They were playing it on Bravo <laughs> around Halloween and I recorded it on a VHS and so, how like, edited was this version? It was like, so how... <laughs> incredibly edited. It like it like like blurred things out like on the screen. They didn't just cut oh, really? it; they like blurred it actually on the screen. But I was like, but I wore through it. I was like fast forwarding through the commercials. I was watching it all the time, like all throughout Halloween. I like would bring it over to friends' houses and just be like, "I got this cool rated R movie," and they'd be like, "There's a tampon commercial in the middle." Here. Like, but if you no, pass, yeah, just fast forward. Yeah, fast once you get past the tampon commercial, once you pass, it gets really scary. Once you pass the tampon commercial, I promise. These kids today don't know what we had. I watched the first time I ever saw RoboCop, and a million times seeing RoboCop, I had it taped from TV uh, on a VHS. That is like one of the most ultra violent movies that came out in the '80s, and it was like edited to hell, obviously, and so. I was like, oh, I've seen Robocop. And when I saw the actual version, I was like, an, I was like shocked, like a church lady. I was like, <gasps> I was like, where did all this violence come from? I was stunned at how violent that movie was. My version of that, other than Nightmare on Elm Street, was I saw Dogma on Comedy Central probably like 30,000 yeah. times. I was like, Dogma. Oh God. What like a smart comedy about religion. And then somebody was just like, what about the shit monster in it? And I was like, what? Like they completely. <laughs> Completely taken that oh, part. Oh, did they really? That oh part is God. not in the Comedy Central cut. So I've seen this movie thirty times. I loved it. I quoted it. I talked about it all the time. And like everyone who I had suggested see it came back to me. It was like, what was up with the shit monster that was in it? And I had no idea what they were <laughs> That's talking hilarious. about. <laughs> They did that with Mallrats too, as long as we're on Kevin Smith, where they had, it was so heavily edited, they actually had a new guy come in to voice Jason Mewes because really? they, could, they couldn't cut enough of his stuff and still have him be talking. So they just had a new guy come in with this like heavy surfer accent to be Jason Mewes. Look, we can get into Kevin Smith. I am a Kevin yeah, Smith fan. That'll be a full episode in and <laughs> That's a big one. But yeah, I love Wes Craven's brain. He was just like scary guy outside my window when I was a kid article about somebody who can't sleep and or who died in their sleep and the fact that red and green doesn't look like process right when you look at them and he took all those three things and made a character so iconic that it is like literally just like all 80s and 90s horror was not like i feel like freddy krueger and like before before scream i feel like scream like changed the genre forever but like before that, like Freddy Krueger led the pack in what slasher movies, heady slasher movies could be. Yeah, I feel like Scream like wiped the slate like Nirvana. Oh, 100%. Like they, you know, they just like wiped out all that, all that 80s stuff into like a new thing that becomes like horror just cannibalizes itself. It just became its own little thing that eventually faded out. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that Freddy was such an iconic figure to me growing up. And that is part of the issue, right? Is like he became an iconic figure more than just like a horror movie guy. So where's the issue then? If this is the beauty of Freddy Krueger, where did it go wrong? Here's where it went wrong. They made the guy a clown. (laughs) (laughs) I think the pinpoint moment. I was watching it. I think when he smashes the girl's head through the TV in three and is like, welcome to primetime, bitch. It was like, it's that's hilarious. It's a hilarious moment. (laughs) It's such a funny line. So fucking funny that you're like, forget that you don't care that he just like killed a mentally ill teenager, you know? So like, (laughs) 
You're like, that line moves you past that death so quickly. That I feel like they were like, oh, that's the juice now. And again, catching up on this quickly, my issue with every one of these scenes was I just kept going in my head, but he's a he's a pedophile, right? Are we how are we moving past we this moved so past easily? Pedophiles so it's fast. Two that was two movies ago, bro. It's over. Right. Like, here's the thing. Nightmare on Street One, absolutely terrifying. Nightmare on Street Two, they still have Freddy be scary, but it's the most homoerotic film that's ever existed. Freddy's barely in it too. Like he's, I feel like he's barely in that one. But that's fine. You can barely have him in there. It makes him more effective, I think. Right. If he's not in like the majority of the movie. But like the movie is so like in in like apparently we found out later intentionally so. Like, right. The, right. Right. Like the the director was just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This movie has no kind of gay undertones. But both the screenwriter and the lead actor were just like, yeah, this is a coming out movie, right? This is a movie about <laughs> this is a movie about coming out. Yeah, it's like it's like if he ever kisses this girl, he's gonna get killed. It's like, <laughs> like that's the whole point of the movie. Like somebody is whipped to death by towels in the shower after oh, yeah, leaving yeah, yeah. a leather bar. Like that is how like intense and in your face the homoeroticism of a nightmare on Elm street to Freddy's revenge is. And yet for years, everyone was just going like, no, you're reading way too much into this. <laughs> I appreciate it for its homoerotic value, but I think it's a bad, I think it's a bad movie. I think it's one of the worst Freddy movies. I appreciate it because like they at least made Freddy scary. He's not welcome to prime time, bitch. Like it, it, it's the same kind of, like in the first one he has the finger things he cuts off his fingers and he just like looks at the blood pouring out and then smiles at the girl yeah 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 and the second one he looks because he's like possessing this closeted teen he's possessing a closeted teen and then like looks at him and goes you got the body and i got the brain and he pulls his skull back and reveals his brain and it's a cool shot there's some really good moments in it but uh i think dream warriors is like they they tried to find the middle ground between i think that's the exact middle ground moment is Dream Warriors because it's kind of like an action horror movie. Oh, it's a fantasy. It is a fantasy movie where it's just like it was made for Dungeons and Dragons loving teenagers. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like a it's like a role play thing, and then it's like all of a sudden every movie like you can rely on the idea that Freddy has is going to give you some like punchlines during kills, like punny punchlines and things during kills, and that's when it starts to be like oh he's just he's just kind of it's kind of funny, and then it turns into a little not quite but kind of like Friday Thirteenth where you're watching just for the kills. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like I I really do not mind camp horror if done right. I feel like that is a really cool way to do comedy because it's so hard to pull off. But the issue here was that they didn't really commit to anything. It was just like, let's take some of the things that we love from this one and throw it in with some guy that can maybe write some jokes and see what happens out of that. Yeah. It feels like like Freddie probably had his own like punch up writer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like definitely like somebody wrote like a horror script and somebody else like from like Warner Brothers came through and just added some like Bugs Bunny yeah. like kind of shit to no, it. No, for real. And that's basically it. I mean, Wes Craven had bailed on the second one. He said he didn't like the script, didn't want anything to do with it. By the way, at this point, they try to get rid of Robert England because he wants money. Yeah, he, he deserves every penny. Well, yeah, they, they said, well, we're going to have him in prosthetics anyway. And they get some guy to do it. And they're like, oh, this doesn't work at all. So they bring back Robert England, who thankfully. But for the third one, Wes Craven writes it. He writes the original uh, with Bruce Wagner. But then it's 
punched up by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont and this dramatic change here. Can you imagine that the director of the Shawshank Redemption has a ready writing <laughs> credit on Friday the third or Nightmare on Elm Street three, The Dream That's Warriors? A really good point. <laughs> the fourth one has like a writing credit by Brian Helgeland, and that dude wrote LA Confidential. <laughs> incredible incredible that the guy who wrote la confidential wrote the movie where freddie is revived because a dog pissed on his grave oh my god (laughs) and i i did want to get into that specifically this is now the fourth episode of this where we talk about dog magic which is just astounding to me i I want this to be in every episode now but yeah comes back to life because of a dog (laughs) magically peeing. i will say this in the fourth one there is no oh Oh, I was actually, I want to go back to something. We were talking about sympathy for these monsters in some of these movies. I think the third one is the one where they try to give him the most sympathetic point of view by saying that he needs to be buried in holy ground. And they kind of don't say it like, oh, we need to bury him in holy ground to like lock him in. It's it, The implication is he needs to be buried because he's a human being who needs to be buried. And it's I think it's like a really weird workaround. Yeah, yeah. They made, it, they made his mother a nun. Yeah. And like his mother is like giving them advice to be like, let his soul free. Right. Like it definitely does try to like be like, oh, he's a human being deserving of a peaceful slumber. Like that, this bitch he doesn't stop killing people. <laughs> Have you he's, seen the yeah, last movies? What are you talking? <laughs> he killed a pool party full of teenagers. By the way, what a, I mean, this was the first time when they're like, oh, okay, he's not going to be a dream guy anymore. He's just going to be out in the world. And I feel like that, like the mystery of this was the fact that there was no other world that was safe because he existed in your mind. Wait, which one is this? Are you talking about two where he's possessing oh, two, uh, yeah. the sleepwalker? In yeah, two, yeah. Oh, wait, no, in three was the first one where he comes out on his on. Into he the possesses his, his own, own skeleton right? in three. Exactly yeah. right. There we go. He possesses his own skeleton. It's true. He does do that. Yeah. I mean, I would do if who, <laughs> who among us could say they wouldn't do the same if they could. I mean, and I'm not sure if that was bad CGI or bad claymation, but uh, they definitely had. Oh, a that skeleton was some Jason and the Argonaut stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one, there is no, there is no legitimate reason why he comes back. The dog piss is in a dream. There's no reason why he comes back. Yeah, yeah. You can't say like the ground is unholy now because a dog peed on it that happened in a <laughs> he peed fire dream. on it like we it's, it's this is a dream even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, yeah, you can't say, like, the ground is unholy now because a dog peed on it. That <laughs> happened in a fictional It peed fire dream. on it. Like, we, it's, 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 this is a dream. Well, and I, I think part of the struggle here was was that other horror movies were like, oh, okay, doesn't matter, we're a horror movie. But this one set the bar so high with creating a world that Wes Craven made the rules. So now it's like we expect the rules to be adhered to. I definitely think that they were like, well, if Jason can just come back and Michael Myers right. can just come back, then audiences are not going to care for us to give them a reason to bring Freddie back. And then, but here's the thing: the fourth one rolls around, and they're trying to be like, okay, we're we're kind of like leaning into the fantasy thing, but we also want to have like some scary moments in it. So like, you have moments where Freddie's wearing sunglasses and he's on the beach and he's like, "Surf's up, bitch." He says bitch a lot, and it's not cool, but he, he does, does it, and we have to acknowledge He is it. a child molester. We're not judging him based on any other standard than that, so. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bad guy, but, like, he's, like, doing the whole surfing thing. But then, like, they end it on this thing, like, this weird body horror where, like, hey, not only is he killing you, you become part of his, like, weird chest oh, of yeah, faces yeah, yeah. of people yeah. screaming and praying for death. And it's just, like... That is completely horrifying. It does not match the tone that you have set with him wearing sunglasses and pretending right. to be her date to the prom earlier. Like now he like and they give him so many puns and things and like you said the sunglasses and on like on the beach and stuff and like you're just kind of like okay fine. This is the the first one where the director really outright says we made this for teenage boys. That's why we put in the nudity. That's why we put in this. We we know what they're gonna like and, and we're gonna go with that. This is also the first one where they very obviously ran out of money before they finished filming, which is why they have that karate fight with an invisible Freddy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, I just watched it last night, and I already forgot about it. <laughs> the karate fight with the invisible Freddy. But if you're talking about the teenage boys thing, there's nothing better than the guy who, like, pulls back his waterbed to reveal that there is a naked woman Hot swimming, woman under there. just swimming in his waterbed. But then you have the, I will admit, great moment of her going down and Freddy coming up and grabbing him. That was... Waterbed death is terrifying. Waterbed death was actually very solid. I will yeah. I will say you could tell that a future Academy Award-winning screenwriter <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. wrote that death in there. It that's was... a good death scene. Also, I mean, honestly, like when she turns into the fly thing, that's pretty cool. Oh, the roach? Yeah, the roach motel. Yeah, the roach, sorry. And he's roach, just like, yeah. you can check in. And then he, and he squeezes in. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, a pun ad for Raid. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie was doing everything back then. They had Freddie in like the Fat Boys. It had like a whole. Oh right, Freddie in the Fat right. Boys. Yeah, but also, have you ever seen the clip online? I saw it makes its round online every now and again, where he like comes out on like a I think it's like a Nickelodeon talk show, or it's like his his like it's like the claw comes out first, and then he just like Robert Englund just kind of runs out like as himself, and he's like, eh, I'm Robert Englund, and like it's really just like okay, this is a monster, but it's this, just yeah, this so is weird. Yeah, it's so weird that for a Nickelodeon thing that there is a bunch of eight year olds who are just like the pedophiles here yeah freddy <laughs> we love freddy and it was yeah this this very strange where i feel like it could have worked if they kept the tone of the first one or if they just created a whole new franchise that was about this goofy monster guy but it was like we're trying to take the success from the first one and then have it inhabit this new world of like we're for kids now even though people keep getting killed all the time you can tell in almost every movie that there is one person who regrets that it's funny and is trying to fix it that's how you <laughs> yeah, get moments yeah, like yeah. the waterbed death that's how you get five 
which has the silly deaths and everything, but also has, like, this really weird goth, like, German gothic feeling to the entire thing. Right, right. Yes. And, like, a heavy commitment to that, which I actually appreciate. I, I like when, I mean, I don't feel like it worked, but I like the idea that they were like, no, we're going to go back to kind of trying to make a world again. And I, I, this was, yeah, their attempt to make it go back to scary. But part of the issue here was that they released this movie in six months from hiring the director to actually being out in theaters. I don't remember the, what was the basis of the fifth one? The fifth one is The Dream Child. And they have right. fully be it revived this time because the main girl from the fourth one gets pregnant and her baby dreams of Freddy. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has like a very like, pro-life message yeah like like a like a well you can't like you know where like that movie should have been over in like one doctor's visit Uh, (laughs) yeah i was glad to see the director at least say afterwards like maybe this was in fact like a pro-choice thing because obviously they would have been a lot better off (laughs) had they not kept this going yeah yeah the director later was just like no clearly i gave like there was a solution to this movie to prevent a lot of deaths like right. all of her friends died. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, that it does give kind of a pro-choice message. She was being insanely selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why the director comes on at the end and breaks the fourth wall, right? And he's like, "Come on." But- <laughs> her friend became a comic book character made of paper, and Freddy oh, cut God. him with his claws. <laughs> oh God, I remember this. One of my favorite latter day Freddy, like in Freddy's Dead, when he kills. I think it's Breck and Meyer in the video game. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He has the the Nintendo Power Glove, and he's. Actually- yeah, the power like glove. saying the Nintendo Power Glove franchise. It's like, now I'm playing with power. Now I'm playing with power. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like they're like making him hawk. He's like a pitch man in the middle of these yeah, murders. No, he's really trying to like sell you on the new Nintendo Power Glove available now in stores, kids. If you see like the original, like the Lassies, they don't break for a commercial. Just all of a sudden people turn to the camera and say, I, I give Timmy Ovaltine. And Freddy was that. He was this weird pitch man while staying in character. I do think that it was it was also weird for Lassie to say bitch so much, though. I mean, it was, like, excessive. Well, he was talking about other dogs. <laughs> right. <but still>. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got him. Fucking got him. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. I'm nailing it. I'm, on, I'm firing on all cylinders today. But, like, the fifth one was just, like, this weird, like, gothic vibe. You had, like, a few silly moments. You had Freddy, like, becoming the guy's motorcycle and being like, don't dream and drive. I'm just going to randomly say, like, great one-liners all throughout. You have clearly worked on this voice, and I love it every time you can bring this up. I went as Freddy for three Halloweens. Of course I worked on the voice. You're killing it. We don't do impressions often because it's not something I can do particularly well. I've got a couple in the bag, but Wendell is out of nowhere. I'm loving it. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I think the the issue with Freddy, though, is, like, he's going to have fun in his movies. I think it was more that he became, like, this pop culture icon. It was, like, such an odd thing. It kind of reminds me of the way Darth Vader became, they, they tamed him down so much from what he was yeah like darth vader does like break dancing at disney world for the kids <laughs> right <laughs> like he was a very scary villain but now he does full-on break dances right it's the push and pull of like creating a great villainous character which is that everybody wants to see them more and there's only so many places you can take these characters doing the same thing over and over again. i mean it's just insane to me that you could come up with something like dream child which is for all intents and purposes a bad movie but, like, they tried to make it, like, a gothic kind of, like, vibe to it. They had, like, some really, like, messed up imagery in there. Like, there were some moments in there that are legitimately kind of upsetting. And then you follow it up with Freddy's Dead, a movie that is so trying to just be a comedy and nothing else. It was in yeah. 3D, so it had, like, the red and blue 
early 90s 3D glasses. You had Roseanne and Tom Arnold doing cameos in it. Yes, that's right. He like shows up on in Roseanne, right? In like a dream sequence or something? Like No, like it's supposed to be like he's killed all the kids in the town except for one kid. And he sends that kid out into the world to bring more kids to the town. And so it's just a bunch of adults who have been so traumatized by losing their children. They're like, Roseanne and Tom Arnold are walking around like an abandoned fair, like going insane. Which, if you play that straight, horrifying. That could be a very scary, like that could be an upsetting film. But it is just played with Roseanne and Tom Arnold just being like kind of wacky side characters in this town where everyone's child was brutally murdered mysteriously in their sleep. Also, here's the the issue I had with that. Why are you still having the fair? This is optional. There are no kids (laughs) left. We will never not have a fair in this town. It's important to the town's economy. (laughs) No, they're just walking around so bummed out. I was like, guys, nobody made you do this. Who is this for? (laughs) Springwood is a very fair-based town, okay? Their whole entire country. It's like the logical, like, to the nth degree of the, like, the the people from Jaws. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, the furthest you're going to take that. Yeah, that's the furthest you can push it. Yeah. All the kids are dead, and, like, and all the adults have gone clinically insane yeah they're just like but look the fair's still happening what about uh fair money <laughs> look i want a prano pup and you can only get those a few times a year well, freddie i mean freddie's that is purely a joke of a movie it's a joke of a movie you have johnny depp coming back for a cameo in it but it's just so like they can make fun of anti-drug psas yeah and, and Freddy's Dead is also the one where they actually believe it's going to be the last one. Is Freddy's Dead the final, the final nightmare? Right. Final nightmare, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it almost is. I mean, there, there's Freddy versus Jason, but like... We have what I can go into for that in their defense later, which is the much maligned but definitely appreciated Wes Craven's New Nightmare. See, that, I love New Nightmare. That is the one attempt that they made to me to like bring him back to where he was originally oh yeah that that's a freddy where they actually kind of to your point the nickelodeon thing of him coming out on a talk show and all the kids screaming they actually do that scene in Wes craven's new nightmare right they like they have him brought like robert Englund come out and he's high-fiving like little kids in the audience who are all just like freddy krueger's here <laughs> and like just to like mock the idea like the whole movie is just like freddy's now no longer scary so like the demon that like this story's been containing can now escape because people aren't afraid of him. Like they're literally just saying, like, we just made six bad movies yeah. because Freddy's no yeah. longer scary. So we're trying to stop a demon invasion by making a scary Freddy movie. It's so funny for Wes Craven to make a movie like shitting on five other directors. Yeah. Well and it, it was I feel like it was great that they brought him back and apparently this was obviously he was not happy with this. He created this brilliant thing and they just kind of tore it apart. But up through the fifth movie, they kept making more money. Each movie did better than the last. Yeah, people love Freddy. Yeah, they just kept going in the seventh film where Wes is like, okay, we should acknowledge what's going on here and I'm going to take all of this source material you gave me and turn it into something. And it doesn't do well. Oh, it bombed. Yeah, it was a big, big bomb. It was a huge meta deconstruction of horror and Wes Craven's like, I'm not doing that again. And then Scream came out like two years later. Well, right. I think it was the blueprint for Scream. It was like 100% like the blueprint for what he was trying to say in general about the horror genre. But I think he needed to free himself from a franchised character in order for it to really hit home. I, I feel like it was very much a movie that was made for people already in the business. It was something that could be appreciated by other directors, other writers. I like that movie. 
I love that movie, but it was made for people who, one, like, are super into meta shit, yeah. two, love Freddy Krueger, so, like, me and Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just you two at every showing. Do you guys remember um, in the in the old days where you could go to a movie theater? Yeah, that was a thing. Uh, yeah, the, the before times. The before times. <laughs> I saw a, a showing of that at the Alamo in Brooklyn. Like, they had a screening of it, and I was so pumped to see it on the big screen because I had never seen it before. Uh, I think that movie holds up, and I think it is a really great commentary on the four Freddies that fo- or the five Freddies that followed yeah, the first Freddy Krueger. Yeah. yeah, and like not only that, they gave him a cool trench coat. <laughs> they did give him a cool trench coat. Yeah, that Freddy, and not only that for the glove for it. So like the nightmare, the first time in Elm Street movie had like this, like I said before, like this weird M. C. Escher vibe of just like what is reality to it, which they did in the poster for it because they were like, oh, he has uh, knives coming out of his fingers. So like they have like this hand coming out of the main character's bed. That is just like all muscle and tendon and bone with knives coming out. And so Wes Craven was just like, I like that. Yeah. And so for his like meta deconstruction, he gave Freddy that hand. Right. It was not a glove. It was a full on like muscle, tendon, bones with knives coming out of it. And it was so cool. And it was definitely. And then they were just like, yes, this is, this is awesome. This is going to be the last Nightmare on Elm Street ever. We're not doing another Nightmare on Elm Street after this. And then they had him fight Jason Voorhees. <laughs> I, I saw that in theaters. I was pumped. But 2003. That was the talk. I, I, I'm a bit younger than you, Chris, but that was the talk of eighth grade. Yeah. The highest horror opening of all time and the highest grossing of either Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street series it, because it was fan service. At, at this point, most people that had worked on the previous ones had already said, no, you know, the Nightmare series ended on the seventh film. This is a new thing, and it was just for the fans. They've been wanting these two to fight forever. Yeah. Jason Goes yeah. to Hell ends with Freddy's glove coming out of the ground, taking right. Jason's mask and bringing it down. They were trying to set that up for years. Yeah, because New Line finally had Jason. I mean, that was the issue. And then that's why that's not called Friday the 13th. It's called Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. Like, they're not called Friday the 13th movies they're not paramount so it was like oh they're finally gonna do this and then even after jason goes to hell it took like another decade for that movie to come out this was like the original when we had to wait for spider-man to get bought up by disney or whatever so it to goodbye with marvel this was the first struggle i'm gonna be honest this was you know how excited everyone was when like robert downey jr came down to his basement and samuel jackson was there so it's like i want to talk to you about the avengers <laughs> like it was that moment yeah. for horror fans when that glove came out and pulled the mask down now imagine if you had to wait for the next marvel movie for 10 years (laughs) like it was the first like shared universe kind of thing yeah it was exciting i mean it was super exciting when that happened in that movie but i mean i haven't seen that movie in a long time i think i had like a lot of fun with it but it's not very good is is why i feel like it was such a good episode for here's where it went wrong because this is something that is so beloved but you can't talk about it without going like okay but this was bad right (laughs) yeah i I love all of these movies Same. I love all. I love them all. I love all the Jason movies. I love all the the Freddy movies. But there's a lot of clunkers in there, and it's that's the plight of the the horror franchise fan. Is like, like I said, Jason has. You're there for the deaths. That's it. It's like going to like Golden Corral or something. <laughs> you might find something. You're like, I don't not know. everyone can be Michael Myers and have upwards of two good movies in their <laughs> franchise. Okay. But also, how many other genres are going to put out like, okay, why don't you want to do like fourteen of these? It's amazing what the horror genre allows because it's like, all right, well, these aren't going to be good, but people are going to keep going. And it's a very weird attitude. Do you know how E! makes like 30 reality shows that are yes. all bad? <laughs> it's because they call zero dollars right. to make. And that's what slasher movies are. 
Right, they cast unknowns in them, and they they go like dirt cheap. They try to replace Robert Englund in the second one, and he's the entire character. But it's just like these are cheap. We're not supposed to pay money to these actors. You're right. I mean, remember in the '60s, I'm saying that personally, but if you heard heard the stories when they came out with just this swath of surfer movies where everything was happening at the beach, the beach blanket bingo, and this took six weeks to get a movie done. Yeah. <laughs> And it cost nothing because everything's shot at a beach. There's nothing going on. And even before that, they shot Westerns every week. <laughs> there was just a Western every Friday. They had like one set in Italy and they that's why they're called <laughs> Spaghetti right. Westerns. I guess there's a history here, but each one at least did their own thing. It wasn't a series. Horror took the same idea, but then was like, we don't even have to make a new character. Let's just keep it going with this guy. Right. I mean, I was after watching the fourth one, and I looked up the year it came out, and it, it was 1988. And I'm just like, eight years, and like they made four movies. Like, it's like nuts. Yeah. Oh, it's completely insane. And it's it, they didn't turn out great. Yeah. It's not like they. No, 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 no. They had Frank Durr about right Nightmare on Elm Street 3. That is no, still one of the, the, the first one came out in what, 1984? The fifth one in 1989. They did five of these yeah. in five years. And I mean, that's insane yeah. when you consider. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 1984. I, I was thinking of uh, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween 1978. Friday the 13th. 1981. Uh, Never on Elm Street. 1984. By the way, guys, neither of, of these guys are looking anything up. I'm staring at my notes so hard here and they haven't looked down once. They know all of this by heart. <laughs> Andrew, I am a very big slasher yeah. movie fan i went through a phase as you can tell and like let's be honest it's good that i found comedy <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's all i did in high school was watch horror movies i used to work at a video store and we could rent like three movies a night and we would just like me and my two friends would just get doritos and mountain dew and go in a basement and watch horror movies <laughs> there's, there's like 1990s movies that were made about your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i know i was like we could write one of these movies there's a bunch of white guys hanging out in the suburbs come on <laughs> Every now and then, one is just like, you gotta see the Godfather. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, this ultimately did turn into, I get why all of this happened. Obviously, again, none of this was for me, but I can still understand it. I can still also really appreciate the first one, even though this was not something I'm going to get into. I watched it and thought, okay, this is, he's creating something real here. He, he's tapped into an essential horror. Yeah. Well, I think that the, that is the thing about the sequels is Jason's fine because you're just there for the kill. So nothing gets diluted like retroactively but the first nightmare on all street sort of gets diluted by the fact that all the rest of them become sort of jokes yeah but that first one oh man with the spinning bedroom to this day i'm not sure how you even shoot that practically where she just races out of the bed and she's just like being thrown against the walls and she's on the ceiling reaching out to her it's terrifying it was so the most iconic slasher movie death i think of of the entire genre of like that whole, I can't think of a better one. You got the arrow through the neck in Friday the Thirteenth. You got the you got the ghost. Uh, the you know Michael dresses the ghost and like strangling with the the phone cord, and that was his big moment. But man, her just like on the ceiling, reaching out and like asking for help, and the guy being helpless on the ground, not being able to see who's doing it, was horrifying when I first saw it. What I, I loved about this too was. Aside from that, it was shot beautifully. It was shot the same way they shot the Fred Astaire dancing on the ceiling, this rotating room. And it was the exact antithesis to this beautiful, legendary scene. And they did it the exact same way and just made it horrifying. And it was delivered beautifully. And the same room, that, by the way, that they used for when they did uh, Johnny Depp's death scene. They did, which is why they got that blood pouring from the bed seemingly up to the ceiling. The problem with this one, though, was that 
it's a it's not like it's stable it's a rotating room and they're dumping gallons of water that first electrocute the lights that are in the ceiling so the guy who is dumping the water is electrocuted but he's okay and then the weight of this water shifts the room so this magical effect you get of the blood flowing across the ceiling with an effect was it threw the room off balance <laughs> and it turned out absolutely perfect it was incredible oh it's incredible oh that seems yeah that's another one i will i will give props to the scene in Jason takes Manhattan where he punches the, <laughs> the, the head right off. Which is also, it's also, I mean, it's also a pretty good one. I also say Johnny Depp having uh, him getting pulled into the bed and the geyser of blood, which is way more blood way. Yeah. than a human body has. <laughs> Johnny Depp has notably more blood than most humans. Yeah, they were actually, they were measuring it based on the amount of blood Johnny Depp actually has. <laughs> they had to drain and refill Johnny Depp to make sure this was accurate. I will say to go to go backwards in time, uh, Freddy versus Jason starts with like a montage of like I was instead of watching the four hour documentary, I was always just like, hey, Andrew, just watch this like five minute montage <laughs> at the beginning of Freddy versus Jason because it's Freddy like to like in hell. He has like these like ice cold blue contacts in and it's just like a close up of his like eyes and mouth. And like he's just giving this whole thing of just like here's what you missed if you have never seen a, fr- a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I am scrolling through four pages of small font notes for this. I could have watched a five minute recap. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. He's just like he gives this monologue, which once again, guys, bona fides. I memorized <laughs> the opening of Freddy versus Jason monologue. I thought it was like the cool, like I had it ready for like my costume because I thought somebody would want to hear a child deliver <laughs> a very messed up monologue. Like, like they were just like, say the iconic Freddy Krueger line. They were probably just wanting me to say the word bitch. And I'm over here just like the Springwood slash. <laughs> just like this whole thing where like all of a sudden they change also the rules to it where they're just like. The children have to remember me. I have to have their fear. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not a plot point. I think it's kind of funny to me with, with Freddy. I feel like once they ran out of, they painted themselves in the corner by in the third one by saying that there was a finite amount of Elm Street kids. Yes. Basically, they're like, you're the last of the Elm Street kids whose parents were involved in my murder, where it just should have just been like, whoever lives in this fucking neighborhood, hey, watch out, because I'm fucking coming for you. First, it was just like, everyone who's on Elm Street, and they're like, everyone who's in Springwood, and then they're like, fuck it, we'll, we'll go anywhere, we'll, we'll do this at Crystal Lake, he can fight there. Have you heard of me? <laughs> no, I, I think that's part of the issue, is that you really need to commit to, this guy can be killed in certain ways, or this guy can't be killed. But they kept going, no, this is going to kill him. And then like nine months later, there's another movie where it's like, whoops, didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops-a-daisy. No, I love the fact that they're just like, they have to keep coming up with these ways. And the one that they settled on for Freddy vs. Jason is just like, the children have to remember me. <laughs> and it's just like the first movie has whole scenes where they're like, what's who's right. this guy? Like where they have to go to their parents and ask who the guy is. Like they don't remember right. you. How does anybody forget being in the neighborhood where like so many kids died in their sleep? How do people forget this? And also, why is nobody moving? Like there is an easy solution here. <laughs> There was probably a 30 for 30 on it. Come on. <laughs> like, everybody knows about this. But also, I'm sorry. If there was a pedophile serial killer just running loose, you would know about it. Kids talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, like even when he was alive, like, he would just be like, hey, remember a few years back? Because they're teenagers. And, like, 
this isn't a long period of time. Like, you'd be like, oh, wow, like, this happened 10 years ago. But, like, 10 years ago, I'm going to talk about things that happened 10 <laughs> years ago, especially if that thing is a pedophile murderer killed my family. Yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the the parents in the in the movie in 2003, like would have been young enough to be terrorized probably by Freddy or had their friends die at like Freddy's hands. And they've been like, instead of being the parents in the first one, they would they should have been like, oh, fuck, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, no, we gotta, like, it's, <laughs> we're out of here. We're out of here. I'm not even going to pretend to be like you're in not in trouble. Like you're fucked, dude. No, like, I, I mean, how many serial killers can we name that we have had absolutely nothing to do with? Don't know anybody who was killed by this serial killer. And it is not hard to name a dozen. This guy was the worst serial killer. And everyone's like, oh, I've never heard of him. In your, in your neighborhood famously on your street and he killed people in their dreams even when he was alive he killed them there. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, none of this would have, would have worked if there had been a podcast at the time and we just could have had white women solving this murder <laughs> god forbid just reading fred krueger's wikipedia page <laughs> all right so this was what we loved was the first one. And even I did sincerely enjoy that. What we hated was how they just tore this apart <laughs> to make seven other movies afterwards. But, uh, you know, now one of us has to defend it. When, what have you got for In Their Defense? Oh, I thought this was Chris. I thought Chris, Chris. what have you got for In Their Defense? I am. <laughs> Chris, do you want to take first? I can go, but Chris. Wait, wait, you... wait. When do you want to just say the last <laughs> name real quick? Or... Chris, all you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, in his defense, Freddy Krueger transcended the trappings of a like a normal horror movie and like deserved basically to be showcased, I think. And like he takes the ball with that role that he's given and like runs it like through the goal line every time. I think he's like a iconic horror movie star and he he has the most fun of maybe anybody starring in a horror movie ever had. And you can see that on screen and it shines through in the character. And so like, yeah, maybe Maybe like they wore him down a little bit, but like I think they only wore down the premise, but Freddie never wears down because Robert Englund is always shining through. And so like I think he deserved all those roles and all that money that he got from that because he was I think he's the best horror movie monster of the last 50 years. You know what? I, I will I will say he does get watered down. Like Freddie is not scary past two, arguably two. A lot of people will say past one. But Robert Englund definitely has deserved every single dollar and like once again when the remake hit you had jackie earl haley who is a fantastic actor he is right he's very good i love jackie earl haley him in watchmen shutter island he's a terrifying presence and it just didn't feel right yeah yeah it felt it felt weird it felt off like somebody coming home with like off brand <laughs> The fruit O's. Yeah, it was the, the fruit, fruit O's. O's. Yeah. Like, it truly, though, like, no one else could really play that part. Ro Robert Englund deserved every cent that he got. I think that they should bring him back for, like, one fuck-off last hurrah movie. Look, if you're doing, like, remakes, like, or reboots, or whatever you want to call them, like, this new Halloween with Danny McBride, which I'll never get over the fact that Danny McBride is the, the scribe yeah. for the new Halloween movies. I love it. But, like, that movie was fun we had this new Candyman coming out that's ignoring all the sequels and just bringing us back to Candyman. robert anglin deserves 
to have a send-off to Freddy. He's wearing prosthetics. I know he's aged. He's wearing all these prosthetics. <laughs> yeah, it does not matter. He can do it. He can do it, and he deserves another Nightmare on Elm Street where they can just, like, have this character. Like, hell, do the Halloween thing where you're just like, we're doing three, and then it's done. Like, give us, like, a fun little trilogy of all the hits, all the good things that we loved about Freddy where he's just scary and off-putting and just let us have that fun because it's not the same. You could put anyone else in a Michael Myers mask. You could put anyone else in a Jason Voorhees mask. Robert Englund is Freddy Krueger and he can play scary Freddy Krueger still. We saw it in New Nightmare and he had some moments in uh, Freddy vs. Jason that were pretty pretty upsetting. I think that's why like we still talk about Freddy with like reverence as horror movie fans for sure that was actually that was the best in their defense i was i'm so glad you took it because i would not have thought to just highlight robert england and how he's the best he's the best he's the best yeah. and like when he pops up in other things i'm just like hell yeah robert england is in this <laughs> yeah no i i think he's absolutely fantastic and he, he is someone that has been able to it, it just it, it couldn't have been done by anybody else not only cannot be replaced now it wouldn't have been this film without him and amazing for someone that didn't talk that much you know that there wasn't a lot to it it was all about this ominous present that w- was overwhelming yeah and the first one especially he's just I, he just takes over yeah, the screen absolutely. when he's on it like like i said the posture this the one shoulder drooped low yeah. with the other one raised high his arm bent and just had like splaying out the the knives it's just like this one pose that he hits like three times throughout the movie and it's iconic to for your silhouette to be scary Right. You know you have something super special. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that covers just about everything. This was all of Freddy Krueger, wasn't it? Yeah, this was this was, we hit every single movie. I won't get into the video games <laughs> and the TV series and the extended universe books, but just know I could. <laughs> <laughs> and we started a petition to get uh, one final nightmare made. It's yeah, this is going to be up on the internet tomorrow, guys. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, Chris Caligero, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this expertise that was fantastic. I'm so glad I got to learn about all this, and hopefully you all listening did too. Dude, this is a dream. I love talking about horror movies. It's one of my favorite things, so thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for so much for coming, man. Of course. So, uh, guys, if you enjoyed this, please uh, you know, subscribe. Give us five stars. It helps us out so much. We will be back again next week, and we hope you'll join us then. Wen, I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.